0: You're listening to Catalyst for Change, and my name is Jessica Huckabee, your host. I started this podcast to learn what makes people resilient after challenging events, and how they've used those series of events as a catalyst for change in their life. You'll hear stories of resiliency and strength, so get ready, sit back, and be prepared to be inspired. Today on my show, I have Natalie Vachoni. She's an FASD, fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, parent advocate homeschooler, podcaster, but most importantly, she's a wife and she's a mom. She began homeschooling six and a half years ago when noticing how many accommodations her son, later diagnosed with FASD, needed. After his diagnosis, she began advocating for FASD by being a peer support mentor and facilitating a support group. She is certified in mental health first aid and has been a board certified music therapist for 25 years. Recently, Natalie has volunteered as a board member and social media coordinator for several North Carolina nonprofits. In 2020, Natalie began her new adventure in the world of podcasting through producing and hosting podcasts about FASD. She became a mom on a mission with a microphone Natalie and her husband, John, are co-founders of FASD Hope LLC. The mission of FASD Hope is to provide awareness and information, inspiration to people whose lives have been touched by fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. They live in farm country of North Carolina with their five-year-old daughter, who just began homeschooling, and her 18-year-old son, who just graduated from homeschooling and is now proudly working as a carpentry Apprentice. Natalie is thrilled to begin this new adventure of FASD Hope LLC and the FASD Hope podcast series. Well, thank you, Natalie, for coming on my show, Catalyst for Change, Stories of Resiliency. I'm so happy that you joined us, and I really want to hear more about your story. Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: Um, so my name is Natalie Beckione, and I am the mama of two amazing kids, um, both of whom um, were blessed to us by adoption, domestic adoption. Our son is 18 and he recently graduated from um, homeschool. We homeschool our kids and um, he is a carpentry apprentice and he's also studying computer coding and uh, our son has a fetal alcohol spectrum disorder um, or an FASD. And the motivation behind our, um, an inspiration, I should say, behind our podcast, FASD Hope and our website, FASD Hope. We also have a five and a half year old daughter uh, who is typically developing and we have made many accommodations in our family because we have learned, especially in the past few years, our family has learned that fetal alcohol spectrum disorders are brain-based disabilities caused by prenatal alcohol exposure. So, in the FASD community, we really we really acknowledge and accommodate that FAS having an FASD is a brain-based injury that happens to an unborn child as a result of prenatal alcohol exposure. So our story is basically my my story as a mom was parenting a, a child that has this brain-based disability for so many years. We, one specialist had suspected that he may have had fetal alcohol exposure when he was two, but at the time, so that was about 16 years ago, uh, we were told, oh, you know, just Put him in early intervention he'll be fine and and it was never documented or anything like that so whenever my husband and i would bring up our you know that conversation you know to any of our son's doctors or specialists uh we we were basically you know brushed off you know and and just it was kind of just dis- discredited when we moved to north carolina four years ago we found an amazing fasd consultant joined a parent support group and learned that, yes, it was our our son did have an FASD and it was confirmed when he was hospitalized uh, three and a half, yeah, three and a half years ago. And when we received that diagnosis for us, that was our catalyst for change because then we learned about FASDs and we learned about the science behind the the damage to the brain that alcohol causes. And we learned about making accommodations and we learned about what the characteristics are and, and, and whatnot. Earlier this year, we, I started podcasting and a few months ago, my husband and I started FASD Hope, which we really consider kind of a mission for us um, to bring awareness, to help inform and, and, those families of kids, teens, adults that have an FASD but especially to give them hope because the statistics with F, having an FASD they they can be very they can be very startling and mm-hmm. we want you know families and loved ones and professionals and anyone who will listen to us to know that you can have hope with an FASD you know life can be successful. However, accommodations need to be made just, just like with any other brain-based diagnosis. So, and we're still in the trenches, you know, our son is 18 and a half. We, we live out in the middle of farm country in North Carolina because we knew it was best for our son. And, and we, you know, are actually going to build a tiny house on our property for him so that he can have you know what the term we embrace and I'm sure your listeners are aware of it but interdependence you know so that he can be de- independent but still have the safety net of us you know being on our property so yeah so I, I we learned a lot you know that the diagnosis when we finally had it confirmed that yes he had been prenatally exposed to alcohol that really shifted everything, you know, and, and learning about symptoms, you know, that what we were seeing were not willful behaviors, but actually symptoms of, of his, his brain diagnosis.
0: Yeah. Oh, wow. It sounds like you overcame a lot of challenges regarding, the fetal alcohol syndrome disorder, is it disorder or? So,
1: so fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, spectrum um, disorder fetal alcohol syndrome is one of the diagnoses under there. Yeah. There are like four to five diagnoses and they're recognized by the DSM five. Yeah. Um, but you can have, depending on when alcohol was consumed during pregnancy, depending on you know, a lot of factors. Um, it's a spectrum disorder, just just like autism or, you know, yeah. other spectrum disorders. So yeah, FAS is part of one of the diagnoses, but um, that that's the other thing too. We wanted to kind of help be a part of, you know, the movement that, you know, we kind of break the 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 myths and the you know misconceptions about FASD, you know, because a lot of folks think, oh, you know, fetal alcohol syndrome, there's the face and everything and and actually that's a very small percentage of individuals who have an FASD. you know it's a it's an it's considered an invisible disability, you know, about ninety percent of individuals that have prenatal alcohol exposure have no facial characteristics.
0: Um, yeah, tell me about the other myths that are out there about about this.
1: Absolutely. So, um the, the first I think the first myth that we need to dispel is is on, in the area of prevention that it's okay to have a glass of wine or it's okay to have a little alcohol during a pregnancy. The CDC, so many other organizations all acknowledge that there is no safe amount of alcohol during pregnancy and the other myth is that FASDs uh, occur you know only with certain populations now there's a stronger prevalence in certain populations however it is FASD does not discriminate, you know, there it does not discriminate socioeconomic status, it does not discriminate culture, it happens across the board. Having an FASD means that you were exposed to alcohol, you know, during your when you were pregnant, you know, in, in your birth mother or in your biological mother's womb. FASD, having an FASD can happen to anybody. So that's kind of the second myth we hope to dispel is that, oh, well, it only happens to certain, you know, groups. Yes. 80, about 80% of children that are in foster care have an FASD. 80%? Wow. 80%. A large majority of individuals who have been adopted have an FASD, whether it be domestic or international. However, um, studies have been showing that the demographic in which there are, the strongest increase of FASD is Caucasian college educated women uh, who either are married and trying to conceive or have an unplanned pregnancy. And we know that, you know, more about 50%, I believe is the number of unplanned pregnancies in the United States. Now, whether, whether they be, you know, women who are married and trying to conceive or, you know, an unplanned pregnancy, most women do not, if, if the pregnancy is unplanned, most women don't know until they're probably in their second month or so. Um, and even if just a little bit of alcohol is consumed during that time, and then they realize it and they stop the, the prenatal alcohol exposure has still happened. And is it
0: worse in the
1: first trimester? Well, it really just depends on a number of factors in Mm. the first in the first, actually, so the facial characteristics that uh, many people associate with having, you know, a fetal alcohol spectrum disorder only happen like in, I believe it's like this third week of pregnancy, it's like a, a six days. So if there's alcohol consumed during that time period, then you will see the, the the facial characteristics that are often, you know, people think of. It actually, depending on, there are some great organizations and, and books that I, I can share with you to share with your listeners, but it, it really all depends on when the exposure happens and what circumstances are around the pregnancy, like prenatal care. So the exposure of the alcohol does affect certain areas at certain times of the pregnancy. Okay. But again, because it's a spectrum disorder, it's yeah. not the same for everybody, you know? yeah. So, so yes, you know, there are different characteristics for each, each trimester, but again, there's a number of factors into it. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to leave you some resources that you can share with your audience that, so you can learn more about that science. The book that I my husband and I read that the FASD community really embraces as far as like the, the good book to start learning about FASD is a book called Trying Differently Rather than Harder, and it's by Diane Malbin. And she also founded the Facets F-A-S-C-E-T-S.org, Neurobehavioral Training and Education in, in Working with Individuals that have either and an FASD or another brain-based diagnosis. So it's really what we call the neurobehavioral model, which is addressing you know the fetal 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 alcohol exposure, prenatal alcohol exposure, addressing it as a brain-based disability, and it also has behavioral symptoms and medical symptoms. And when you take that approach, which we started learning about, and which we did three years ago, but especially in the past two years, it really changes it changes so much it's really just a game changer in the way you parent or take care of or educate someone that has a prenatal alcohol exposure. And I think the biggest myth that you know we would like to address is that there it's very commonly thought that you know alcohol is has a lesser impact than say drugs or illicit drugs or prescription drugs during a pregnancy, alcohol is actually the worst of those drugs. And and it's a legal drug. Alcohol is legal. So I think a lot of people think, oh, well, okay, that's okay. Alcohol actually does more damage to the brain and to the cell structure and to the formation of, you know, parts of the brain, especially things like working memory and, and, you know, mood regulation and whatnot, than any other substance, you know, that that can be consumed as a drug during pregnancy. So the f- fact that if you know if we can communicate, you know, alcohol is the worst of of the those drugs that can be um, consumed, and that it in- will lead to a lifelong brain based disability. That really knowing those things really are game changers, especially again, not only as a parent or a caregiver, but as an educator, as a professional, as anyone who works with someone who's been impacted by alcohol exposure during pregnancy.
0: Yeah. No. what are some of the things that, what are some of the challenges that you and your family faced because of this disorder and how did you get through those things?
1: Sure. So, There were many things. When our son was smaller, when he, I should say, when he was uh, younger, you know, the characteristics that came out were things like sensory, sensory. He had a lot of sensory seeking behaviors. He had sensory avoidance behaviors. He had delayed processing, visual processing disorder, auditory processing disorder. He another primary characteristic is dismaturity. So acting and, and socially, you know, being a lot younger than your chronological age things, especially executive functioning skills. So being able to carry out, plan, predict, prepare, um, things like that. So as he got older, we saw more of the behavioral symptoms. So those of course affected things like school. School was probably one of the hardest challenges that we had and that most families have That parent, a child that has an FASD.
0: Mm.
1: Our accommodation was actually we started homeschooling our our son because the way alcohol affects the brain, um, working memory can be very poor and there are a lot of memory problems that can happen. And it's very inconsistent. So, so one day, for example, our son might have been able to retrieve information that he was taught, but then the next day he couldn't. Mm. Um, And again, that's all related to the alcohol exposure. So yeah. for us, homeschooling and be able to we were able to meet him where he was at, go at a slower pace when it came to to subjects that he had a, a challenge in, but then, you know, nurture the strengths in the subjects that he actually had was very strong in. That's another myth too is having a low IQ often comes with having an FASD. That is not always the case. In fact, most individuals that have an FASD have average, below average, usually have an average IQ. And again, that's all because of when the exposure happened. Education. Another challenge for us was just really helping, figuring out what was, what symptom was, you know, more of of a mood or, you know, an an emotional social symptom versus what was an actual brain-based symptom. So for example, with individuals that have an FASD, structure is really important. You know, having structure in place for the day, for the week, you know, that kind of thing. Oftentimes, you know, our son has his most anxiety when he doesn't know what to do next. And again, that's all part of, you know, the diagnosis. So, you know, for us, the the challenge for us, my husband and I is, okay, putting things into place so that he would have things to do to to keep his brain busy, to keep his mind busy in a positive way. So, so that was another, that's another example. And I think perhaps the biggest challenge was now planning, you know, he's 18 now and, you know, most, most 18 year olds, they either go off to school or go off to, college or work or trade school or whatnot. And for us, it's different, you know, for us, you know, our son lives at home. He, uh, he works part-time as a carpentry apprentice. He studies carpentry through his apprenticeship teacher, just because trade school really isn't an option for him, um, you know, with his learning style. He's also taking self-paced courses online and in in computers and coding and things like that. There is a grieving process when you have a child that has any type of disability, especially with a brain-based disability, because as, you know, as your child gets older, you learn that, okay, there's going to be things that are not going to happen, or they may happen much later. So, you know, at this stage of the game with, with our son being 18, you know, now it's kind of like planning for, you know, a different future for him. And, and one of those accommodations was, you know, moving out to the country and we have a little bit of a proper, you know, of property on, on our, we have we call it the funky farmhouse we have a farmhouse and then we have a couple of you know we have a, an attached workshop and a detached workshop and we oh, plan nice. on, we plan on you know renovating the detached workshop to be his tiny house you know oh that'll um, be perfect yeah yeah and currently he lives in our we have an in-law suite that's a the garage. So currently has that. So that's really independent. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, well, we, we like to use the term interdependent because he is independent, but we're there when he needs us, you know, we're there, we're the safety net. And I think for anyone that has a brain-based injury, that's really a huge concept to embrace is that you may never have the typical, but you can have interdependent, you know, with built-in, you know, support systems and, and safety net
0: yeah no that's so important and now you mentioned you just got the diagnosis when he was 15 years old yeah
1: so so yeah half years ago yeah.
0: so tell me tell me more about that because you knew in the beginning when he was two that something was different with him yeah and you just were told okay early intervention everything will be fine yeah, and we didn't, it wasn't yep <laughs> yeah and then you, I guess yeah. we didn't know as much about this just that. no you yeah. know honestly
1: most people especially in the past I want to say five to 10 years, fetal alcohol spectrum disorder has been really embraced as as a spectrum disorder, not just, you know, FAS, not just fetal alcohol syndrome. Really, we were learning as, as, you know, as everyone was learning. Um, but we, most, most folks that have an FASD, have other comorbid diagnoses. They're actually up to 400 you can have, um, with an FASD. So our son had, as he grew older, he accumulated a lot of those, you know, ADHD, um, sensory processing disorder, you know, anxiety, depression, just they, the, the diagnoses built up, yeah. you know, and, and whenever we would bring up the subject of, you know, we were told that he may have been exposed to alcohol, you know, it really honestly wasn't until we moved to North Carolina almost four years ago that people were like, oh yeah. Okay. And, and people started listening and then we were like, oh, okay. You know, we're, we're getting somewhere. <laughs> um, having that diagnosis, he, you know, he was 15 and it that was, change? yeah. Yeah. It changed a lot because we went from, okay, this is all mood or this is all ADHD to, okay, there's a cause behind all of this. And, it, yeah. and in effect and everything, our son also had other medical issues that, again, he just accumulated it and everybody thought, you know, all the doctors and specialists and whatnot thought they were just, okay, he has a bunch of things going on. You know, he's medically challenged when it was due to the alcohol exposure. So yeah, when, when getting that diagnosis just really was a game changer and then more so learning about the science behind the disorder. And if, if I'm talking to parents out there, or if I'm talking to, you know, anyone who works with any type of you know diagnosis the better educated you are about the science behind the disorder mm-hmm. i think the better you can accommodate that's really key if when you meet the individual where they're at and really it took all these years up until you know really honestly a couple of years ago for us to really embrace that. But since we have and since we've built our support system of people who who didn't have to help us, but who chose to help us because they they walked the walk, they understood it then, you know, that motivated my husband and I to start FASD Hope and to start our podcast and to start, you know, the website and to, to get the conversation going.
0: And um, so you found a group of people that are that were suffering from some similar or that were experiencing not not suffering. That's maybe a bad word to say, but um, experiencing some of the same challenges that you and your family were having.
1: Yes. When, when we moved down here, we joined a great support group. And and that's another thing I would highly recommend. You know, if you, suspect that your child has an FASD or or if you know it, I would say getting support from either support group, from professionals who know the diagnosis. And we list a lot of resources on our website, which is fasdhope.com. We list a lot of those resources and, and a lot of like, say, the state organizations and international organizations can point you to to groups, you know, in your area. Um, I co-facilitate I co- a group. It was in our area in North Carolina, but since COVID, we've, we've moved to, you know, online. And it's honestly having the support of people who know what you're going through, you know, as a parent or a caregiver yeah. um, is great. And then actually our son also belongs to, there's a wonderful organization, nonprofit called Proof Alliance, and they actually have a group for Uh, It's a support group for teens and young adults that live with an FASD. So he actually, and they also moved, they went from, you know, meeting locally to moving online. Um, So he's been a part of that. And that's really been a help for him is to find other young adults that, that have, you know, the same diagnoses and, you know, they may not have exactly, again, since it's a spectrum disorder, every, you know, it affects everybody differently, but they understand the journey. And having, knowing that you're not alone, I think is probably for us, my husband and I, for our family, you know, we, we have a strong foundation in our faith. So our faith really carried us through. I I have to say, you know, our faith in God is first and foremost. And, you know, a short, you know, second after our faith is, you know, support. Um, in from other people, from other individuals, yeah. and and then right along with support, I would say you know educating yourself, knowing the knowing the science behind the diagnosis,
0: and finding that good provider. It sounds like was yes. really really oh. key for,
1: and that can take years. Honestly, yeah. I mean we they and I hear stories of other parents that you know they suspect their child has an ASD. And there are not many FASD diagnostic clinics in the United States. There are, and they're wonderful. They're, they're fantastic. I've actually interviewed quite, quite a few of of the directors, Um, Mm. but there are like waiting lists that are like a year long, you know, because there's not enough, you know? So, you know, I hope that, you know, just COVID, you know, ending or being, you know, better under control that, People can recognize the, the crisis of FASD and, and how prevalent it is. Um, a recent study by Philip May, who is a PhD at UNC Chapel Hill, a 2018 study, he conducted it across many different demographics. It was a very broad study. He, he researched different communities. It's estimated that one in 20 kids have an FASD. Wow. and that is like a really startling statistic.
0: Yeah, since it's unknown, people don't yes. they they write it off as oh it must be ADHD because yes. a lot of the symptoms that you're describe that you're describing it sounds like ADHD type symptoms. It does. It does. And, and, yeah. and
1: or autism, you know, there there mm-hmm. uh, it is the primary characteristics which are in that book that I mentioned trying differently rather than harder. Um, yeah. the primary characteristics are so strikingly
0: similar to ADHD to ASD. Now that we talked about all these, the things that you, you faced, the challenges you faced and how you overcome, how you overcame those, tell me what you're looking forward to the most with your son.
1: Well, you know, honestly, I am just looking forward to watching him continue to grow because an FASD professional, Jeff Noble, who's, who's an amazing educator in Canada. He gave this, uh, excuse me, he gave this analogy of FASD being like on a gravel road, you know, versus being on a highway. So you, you don't travel as fast, obviously there are many bumps in the road. It's, it's much harder, but the journey takes you in places that you would have never gone if you were on, you know, the, the neurotypical highway. So I am just looking forward to learning more about his gifts. You know, I consider myself to be a treasure hunter, you know, with both of my kids, you know, my, my daughter, who's neurotypical and our son, who, who has a brain-based diagnosis, you know, and with him, his gifts continue to come out. You know, not only is he a gifted carpenter, but he's also learning now he's, he's a gifted you know, in computer coding. And he's really interested in, in that aspect of computers. So I'm just, I'm really looking forward to just enjoying and learning more of the gifts that he has inside of him. And I'm also looking forward to, you know, on the podcast, I I talk with so many different people in so many different, you know, walks on this journey, whether they be parents or professionals. So I'm also, you know, on, on that end, my, my parent advocate. And, you know, I'm not an expert in this. I'm just a a parent with 18 years of lived experience, you know, yeah. but I'm looking forward to, to myself to learning more. A lot of this journey has not been trying to change our son, which we did for so many years before we learned about this diagnosis, but accommodating how we are with him. You know, mm. so I, I'm just looking more forward to that. And yeah, it, it's, and I'm just, I'm looking forward to our family just continuing to grow. You know, our, we, we have again, my, my husband and I are just, we want to help others. We realize that we were meant to be on this journey for a reason. And um, we, we're doing now what we wanted to have. Five, ten years ago you know which wasn't yeah. out there yeah. so I'm just looking forward to that and I my my husband came up with this wonderful expression in which we actually have on our website is that we've learned that um, we we can't just say it's a good day or a bad day um, yeah. because you know there's just so many, complex factors that, that, you know, make up a good day or a bad day. So my husband and I, and, and our family, you know, we, we've learned to savor the moments, you know, if there's a moment that just is like, oh yeah, this is a great moment. We, we remind my husband and I reminding each other, we're like, are you savoring this moment? You know? yeah. Um, <laughs> be, and I think that's true with, with any, you know, if you're a parent of any, again, of a child with any type of of diagnosis. Don't think of it in terms of a year down the road or five years down the road, or even a month, just, just savor the moments when they happen.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's so important. That's very important. So yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And your journey sounds just amazing. You sound like really giving people and I'm so glad to have you on my show. Now, can you think of anything we may not have covered today? Again,
1: just If you're a parent or a caregiver or, you know, any type of professional and you suspect that a child, teen, young adult, even an adult may have an FASD, you do your, you know, if you read the book or if you do your research or you visit, you know, our website and and look at some of the resources that we point out, then know, number one, you're not alone. And number two the, the earlier the diagnosis is the most helpful because then, you know, you can really accommodate as, as the child is growing, but it's never too late. And just to, just to have hope, you know, our, that's the name of our website and our podcast is FASD hope, you know, because so often people hear of just, you know, the, the very sad stories and, the negative stories. And yes, those are out there and yes, they happen, but there are also some good stories. And there are also stories about hope and how people have been able to, you know, accommodate, you know, and learn their strengths. So I guess I would just want to leave on that. Just, just to always have hope and know that there are other people out there that, that are like you and that, that can help.
0: Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Natalie, for talking to me today. And I'll make sure to put all of your information on our show notes so people can know where to go to find more information.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for having me.
0: You've been listening to Catalyst for Change. And my name is Jessica Huckabee, your host. Join us next week for another story of resiliency. And please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. And feel free to leave me a comment or email me at catalyst forchange20 at gmail.com or on Facebook we have a page at Catalyst for Change Resiliency.